Communications disruption can mean only one thing. This is Jam Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. One hundred and twenty-nine. I'm just gonna stop here because we got a lot to get into here. Right? <laughs> this is episode one twenty-nine. You, you heard giggling. There's nobody else here. It's just me this week. Episode 129. It's the first episode of 2023. We got a lot of stuff to get into. I, of course, am your host, Mr. Rick Villanueva. This is Jam Transmissions. Happy New Year to everybody out there listening. Um, Took off all of last month uh, with holiday stuff and wanted to take a break and or was a lot to absorb. And I think there's parts of me that are still processing it. Um, So a big shout out to all the guests that I had on. during all of those episodes and there's going to be lots of guests, uh, new voices for this show coming on this year. The first of which is staring at me right now with probably the most wonderfully manicured mustache in all of star Wars podcasting. My good friend (laughs) there, you know, that laugh. I know, you know, that laugh It is my good friend, Brian Berry from pink milk, Brian, how the hell are you? Hello, hello, hello. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Second, I listened to your quick reaction to uh, episode three here of The Bad Batch that we're about to get into. I was not blowing any smoke. I am very oh. excited to, have, to <laughs> very excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, a, a little uh, inside baseball. Brian and I have been DMing, and he's been telling me how excited he is to be here. And I'm like, nobody's like told me that many times that they're that excited to be here. So I was like, what the hell's going on, man? But no, it's all good because you're here, and we're recording, and we're going to yep. talk some Star Wars. So um, let's just go ahead and get it. First of all, Happy New Year to you. I know it's uh, Happy January. Happy New Year. It, it's January something or other. We're not going to give dates uh, for people in the future. Um, but uh, how were your holidays? I want to get into that first. So did you get any cool Star Wars goodies from the family or from Santa? You know, um, it's so funny. I didn't. We don't buy presents for each other, Tom and I. Uh, it's been 15 years of no gifts. I stopped doing gifts in college because i was a poor college student trying to put myself through school so Mm -hmm. it stopped and then i learned somewhere in college that um i enjoyed the stress-free part Mm -hmm. of you know it's stress it's stressful buying people things it is so i I didn't do it and all i really want is time so if i had some budget i'd rather go to dinner and spend time with someone so that's kind of been my mo forever until i had kids and now i get to buy my children things and it's a lot of fun but um yeah we don't really let them buy us stuff we ask them to make us a card or make well, us that's nice yeah. yeah that's cool and so then maybe that's, one that's we do. yeah they'll save their money and not buy gifts for other people too in the future so there yeah that's you all know. you know I, but holidays were good otherwise just spending time yeah. together taking some time off and doing all of that it was great i will say i hope you just mentioned that you took a, week, a month off for mm-hmm. a break mm-hmm. um i took two weeks off which i never do I learned a lot. 
because in that two weeks, I was going to re- do a rebrand. I'm launching. We're about to we're just started our third year. Uh, so I'm very excited for 2023 and Pink Milk. And I have a lot of big plans. Uh, thank you to all my patrons, including you. I've been saving my pennies. And around the holidays, I took advantage of Black Friday. I bought all sorts of things for this new revamp. And um, I didn't get a break. And it was very stressful. <laughs> And then I fell behind and then I fell behind and then I was very hard on myself. So I know from now on, I will not do any work for the podcast when I take a break. Yeah. Um, well, the best laid plans of mice and men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know how, how many but people, I, how many people know the back half of that quotation? I don't know how many people do, but, uh, cause people just say, they're like, oh, I know what you mean. And, you know, yep. I don't, I don't know, know why that I just do. popped into my head. Well, okay. I, I know what it is, but I don't want to say it because I don't want to sound like a smart ass. Me like, well, you know, um, maybe I'll maybe I'll finish it later. I'll just drop it in, and nobody nobody will know unless yeah. The people... But I'm gay. I I'm gay. I live for a smart ass <laughs> moment. Like, give me some sass. All right, okay, it, it's the best there thing friends go. of mice and men oft go awry. So that's what it, oh, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. well, I'm just ringing right. some bells somewhere in there. Yeah, it's you know, I mean, it's a book that we all read in like the fifth grade or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> a long right. time ago yes for you and me it was uh i don't know 15 or 20 years ago or something like that i suppose mm-hmm. it wasn't it okay. wasn't all that long ago like, yeah like 10 years maybe we're, mm-hmm. we're both 19 yep. year old men yeah we're both mm-hmm. we're, we're finding we're discovering ourselves right here yeah mm-hmm. on jam transmissions so <laughs> all right so we're going to talk about bad batch okay um we're going to get into that in a little bit and i i do have some things that i need to confess to you when we get to that something that i've been keeping to myself okay but before we get into bad bats talk there are two little news bits that i want to talk about today and you guys know like i don't often try to do a lot of newsy stuff because i don't want to have kind of like timestamps on the show but when there's bigger news i I feel it's worthy to talk about a couple of things so the first thing i want to talk about is that we're getting a mandalorian season three season three trailer um this coming week all right it was uh it came out on uh, like an espn press room website thing where they were talking about uh this monday night football game i don't know who's playing i don't really i don't give a shit about football um <laughs> but <laughs> i'm a, do you watch like with the sound off brian just because there's butts i don't know is that something you do i don't watch football at all okay good you and i are in the yeah. same boat i don't i don't watch it with the sound on or off so um nope. but So this press release came out and they talked about some of the things that are going to be happening. And they announced that in this, that there will be a trailer for season three. Um, Obviously we all know, or maybe we don't know the show is going to be starting on March 1st. But the interesting thing about this press release is that there's a little blurb about the show that I want to read and I want to get your take on it. Because I know you being kind of a Mando super fan. I know Mm -hmm. how much the story means to you. Anybody, if you haven't listened to Brian talk about, what the Mandalorian means to him on a personal level, you need to go back and find some of those review episodes because it helped kind of frame my perspective on the show to getting somebody else's, you know what I mean? Like it helped, yep. it helped, it put the show into a different context for me and it, it's made me enjoy it that much more, but we'll get into that mm-hmm. stuff in a minute. Let me read what it says here on this thing. It says, um, let me preface that. I don't know what's about to come out of your mouth. I'm okay. Very excited. Cool. So whatever okay. this reaction is going to be, it's going to be real and it's going to be raw. So okay. Great. Now there's nothing spoilery in here. If there was, I, I wouldn't read it up because I, okay. I don't want to do I, I have heard some things about the show, but I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Um, so it says 
The journeys of the Mandalorian through the Star Wars galaxy continue. Once a lone bounty hunter, Din Djarin has reunited with Grogu. Meanwhile, the New Republic struggles to lead the galaxy away from its dark history. The Mandalorian will cross paths with old allies and make new enemies as he and Grogu continue their journey together. What do you think of that? Bring me my bridge to the sequel trilogy. I want it so bad. Yep. That was okay. the same that was the same kind of thing that I felt because I remember an interview with John Favreau way early, right around the time season one was starting, that this show would plant the seeds for the first order. Um, and there's something that he he talked about. So I'm ready. I'm primed for all of that stuff. Dude, I am like, look, I'm gonna be real honest. Um, I think Pink Milk, I'm very fortunate that I think people know who we are for Mandalorian. So thank you for your kind words. I think that is like, um, I get the most interaction during the Mandalorian um, for the show. I remember back in 2015, right? That's when they bought everything. And we got that first, maybe it was 2016, 2017. Doesn't matter. We got that first little picture of Mando. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. I was like, really? My first live action Star Wars is going to be a Boba Fett show. The Mandalorians are cool. That's fine. But the Mandalorians have never been my jam. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let me say they were not my jam before. So I was like, yeah, I'm sure it's Star Wars. I'm going to love it. But I was like, what else? And then that show came out. And the minute that door opens, that little circle door opens. I don't know. I just felt like it was the gayest Star Wars I've ever seen. Din Djarin is gay. He is queer as all get out. No one's going to ever convince me <laughs> anything different mm-hmm. and season one was very much a coming out story and i just i love star wars so much i i don't know how to speak about star wars on like a pew 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 level to me star wars is just a very emotional story that i very much attach myself to and that's mm-hmm. generally the kind of star wars conversations i like to have with other people and i had never met a star wars character that i related to so much one-to-one as i do Din charm like everything about that dude i just it's my boy and i love it and i can't believe at 40 something years old i found my favorite star wars character after being a star wars fan my entire life <laughs> you know what I, I i can relate to that um I, i'm glad i'm glad you said all of that because again what i was saying about your take on the mandalorian is about your perspective and it it's helped me to look at star wars from personal lenses and not just my own um mm-hmm. especially when there's things that maybe i don't really vibe with as much as other people. Um, but me also being a 40 something year old person, I mean, I got that with Cassie and Andor. So, yep. I mean, and that's not just because, I mean, I mean, it's because Diego Luna looks like me. And I say that because I'm older than him. Um, I don't look like him. He looks like me. So mm-hmm. you're Very welcome. Diego so. Luna. You that's thank you. <laughs> Brian. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so we're getting this trailer Monday. We've had a look at the Mandalorian from Celebration, um, which was last year. Which, by the way, speaking of last year, I, I right before Christmas, I got the email saying that this do- this show had um, reached ten thousand downloads. Right, which well, I was like, wow, like that's that's fantastic. Thank you. Now a lot of that was on the backs of Pete and Josh and Eden, who were on the show previous before I came on. But it was still kind of nice to see that. And I was thinking to myself, like, how much 2022 was like a banner year for this show with how Mm -hmm. it's changed and kind of the things that I've wanted to do 
and, you know, people that I've had on things like that. But you, my friend, we want to talk about banner years in Star Wars podcasting. I mean, the year starts off with you getting the, the, the news that you're accepted on the podcast stage at Star Wars Celebration, right? So that happens, okay? <laughs> Next thing I know, you and Chase are at premieres for things. You're talking to <laughs> casts of shows. You got, mm-hmm. you know, these wonderful guests come on the show to talk about things um, and just how the show has expanded. Um, obviously, you know, shows grow and change as they too, as they do. But what has like, I can't even fathom like getting an email saying like, we want you to come to the, the Andor premiere. Here's a couple of tickets, um, you know, to lace up your highest boots and let's come party. <laughs> I, I don't know how would I would react if I got that. Um, what was that like? You know, just absorbing all of that, just from the beginning of like, oh, cool, we're going to be on the podcast stage to next yeah. thing you know, you're you're bumping elbows with you know Tony Gilroy. Uh, I I don't know. I really don't. Twenty twenty, everything changed for the show. It changed me as a per. The whole podcast has very much changed me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um. We, me, get very, I get very, very personal about a lot of things that I don't know if I knew I would do when I started the show. Um, I had been talking about doing a podcast forever and didn't think I had the talent or the skill or whatever, because I don't, you know, a lot of us don't know what we're doing. We figure it out. Mm-hmm. You watch YouTube and you figure it out. You have a malfunction. You figure it out. Yep. Um, and I knew that I had never, I had never heard not only I'd never heard a gay person talking about Star Wars on YouTube or on podcasts. I had never at the time heard the kind of Star Wars that I like to talk about. You know, I love all the other stuff. But I, I, I know what I like in Star Wars and I hadn't heard that show before. Mm-hmm. So at the time, good or bad, indifferent or not, um, I didn't think anyone would want to listen to a gay podcast except for maybe 10 other gay Star Wars fans. Um, so when we started the show, one of my husband on who's like a casual fan at best. And I was like, you know, that's most of Star Wars. Most people who watch Star Wars are like Tom. They know Darth mm-hmm. Vader. They forget what the Empire's name is. And they have a general idea. Um, so we started that show because I thought it'd be funny. And Tom and I, I think, are adorable and very funny. So uh, I was Agreed. Like, we'll be a, we'll be a good dynamic. You know, we'll, we'll have a good we'll have a good dynamic in that way. Mm-hmm. And. No one cared that Tom was a casual fan. Everyone loves Tom because Tom's like wonderful and perfect and I love him dearly. But people latched on to the queerness of the show, um, which I was not expecting. Maybe it's because I'm came out in the 90s and I've dealt with a lot of, you know, uh, anti anti queerness my whole life that that is a lens that I'm learning to look look through differently. Um but so that's changed me a lot. And I mean, you are one of those people who had a very, very big impact on me with a wonderful and lovely DM that I still read quite often Thank about you. someone who who appreciated what we did and then also mm-hmm. felt comfortable enough to send me a, a message. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful that I get a lot of those kinds of notes from people from young Mm. queer people who are coming out from young trans kids who are trying to tell their parents from parents who have queer kids who are trying to figure out how to speak 
better with their children and understand things from people who may be queer, who aren't queer. Um, it's really changed me. And I, I am just, I get very emotional talking about it because it, it's a, it's a, um, an honor. And I hope that I'm able to be something for some people that I never got when I was figuring all this out. Um, and I try you, to lead with compassion and, and all of that. And I'm very, I'm just very grateful that someone who I don't know, you know, we don't know each other, you know, before that, that was mm-hmm. one of our, our earliest interactions. We had had a few from here or there, but like to open your heart and be that generous um, with someone that you don't know has really kind of changed me. And I'm very grateful. Well, thank you for saying so. And, mm-hmm. you know, a, a part of that comes from um, your openness. And like I was saying about, you know, perspectives and then there's also the side of like, I'm going to do a podcast. How do I make it unique? Because I want to stand out there, that mm. element is there, but the, the openness to talk about things that can be more difficult, um, that, you know, that you guys have done on your show, um, has been like a, a little bit of a, um, I don't know if inspiration is the right word, but it kind of like gave me the, the leash, the leeway to say like, you know what people we've gotten to a place. I think societally we're talking about things that may have otherwise been taboo, um, mental health issues or open queerness, things like that, mm-hmm. that you're going to find um, some kind of supportive network. You know, people will find it and, yep you know, your show and the things that like Maria would talk about on sisters with sabers, um, where there, you know, people who aren't just talking about the, and then, and then, and then of star Wars storytelling, they're equating their real lives to something that they see on screen. Um, you know, something that I've talked about a lot and people who've listened to the show know, like my, why the end of return of the Jedi is so emotional for me because it's a reconnection with the son and a father that I didn't get to have because my dad died the year return of the Jedi came out. Mm. I don't want to bring that up too often, but I mean, Mm. putting something more um, emotionally real to it, I think helps you like find a common ground with people who may have that same thing, but maybe sometimes don't know how to vocalize it. You know what I mean? Like we watch, we watch movies, we read books for escapism. Um, But there, there's always going to be, or not always, but there could be something in any one of these stories unexpectedly that kicks you so hard in your heart that it just becomes ingrained with who you are. And it becomes an inescapable part of your personality going forward. That's what star Wars is for me. Um, And I know what, yeah, I know it is for you. I know it is for a lot of people. Um, but again, hearing you, hearing, you know, people like Maria talk about, you know, more difficult things has given me like the permission to, you know, say things that might be triggering to other people. But, but I can't, and, and I know you feel the same way too. We cannot, I mean, it, it's like Laura Santeca, you know, you can't deny the truth that is your past or your family. You know, yep. these are the things that, that make us who we are and to eliminate that from that kinds of from these kinds of conversations to me feels almost disingenuous people do Mm -hmm. that and they do it very well they keep their personal lives out of their shows i commend all of those people who and that's all that's a ton of shows that i listen to 
Um, cause I was, I have a lot of time to listen to podcast people. Um, and I appreciate that there, there's an entertainment quality to that. There's also things that are informative about that. People want to talk about the news or just kind of break down the facts of what the stories are. But when you have people who are willing to talk about their personal emotional connections to things, it makes the stories almost feel that much more like a living history document because mm. you find another level to be connected as opposed to just. Darth Vader looks cool, or I liked Princess Leia's hair buns, or Ewoks yep. are cute, or something like that. Um, you can which put all that's in great too. Yeah, absolutely. It it because for a lot of people it is that it is just surface level. It is just yep. I like you know ships in space and lightsabers. That's all cool. But there's there will always be people yep. like us in in any kind of fandom or storytelling genre that find their thing in it that speaks to them on a more personal level. So, yep. That was a tangent. You asked me if we could do tangents no, and absolutely. So, um, <laughs> but, but again, thank you for your show being what it is. And thank you. Let, let's get a little bit more into um, some other things. Yeah. Um, I, I did say that there was a second news piece that I wanted to talk about. And this one, I, I just saw this one just before we turned the mics on. And I guess this story came mm. out yesterday. Uh, it was an entertainment weekly. And I don't know how the hell I missed this, uh, but it, but it's good news. I can promise you it's good news. So the headline, it says, John Williams isn't retiring from composing film uh, films after uh, Indiana Jones, after all. So he is going to keep scoring movies after Indiana Jones. Now, I don't know what that means. There's rumors of some Star Wars stuff happening with Damon Lindelof and some other people's that there might be a movie going in production as soon as April. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the rumor. Take it with the, a huge you know, grain of salt or whatever seasoning mm-hmm. you like on your food. I don't know. Um, but uh, John Williams here, he said that uh, his father worked until he was 101. So he says uh, he can't retire from music. This is a quote. He says, I can't retire from music. A day without music is a mistake. That's passion. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm clearly, mm-hmm. he made a good career choice in going into music. He's been doing it for the better part of 80 years or something like that. Um but it is nice to know that for as long as he feels that he can, he will still be lending us mm. some of his genius. So who knows if he comes around for another Star Wars movie or not. But we know we're going to hear him in Indy. He did the score for, I think, The Fablemans, uh, Steven yep. Spielberg's latest. But um, it was weird getting that news a couple months ago that he was retiring. It was just like, oh, man, kind of an end of an era. But I think it kind of softened the blow a little bit because we've had like Ludwig Gorenson and Michael Giacchino and some of these other names do some really, really cool. And the Kiner styles. brothers, the Kiners. Yeah, the kind, yeah. I don't want to leave especially anybody after, out. I, especially after today, what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I agree with you there, sir. I agree. Oh, with I you can't there. wait for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like knowing that there were other people who had kind of stepped up into the Star Wars music space and created something, again, wholly unique uh, with their own stamp, but it's still very much Star Wars. Mm. Um, it kind of made knowing or thinking that John Williams might step away a little bit easier. Um, but knowing that he himself is like, I I can't leave yet. I still have nope. things to teach these 70-year-old kids. So, um, <laughs> um, it's a good feeling to know that he, uh, will not be walking away anytime soon. So that, yeah, that's, I, uh, oh, that's awesome. That's exciting. Yeah. Maybe so Ray's surprise. coming back. 
You didn't. Yeah, exactly. You said uh, you said you didn't know that. I didn't know that up until a little. I later. didn't. So I, no. I thought that was some some really really good news. That's awesome. So, all right. Um, that's the only news stuff. I mean, you know, there's other things happening in Star Wars with like High Republic stuff. Um, comics are always ongoing, and like I guess on the announcement side, I mentioned this um on the 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 reaction the other day that um, I am now I was asked and uh, to do some things with Proaxium, so. Um, you'll see me doing comic reviews for, I think, I think primarily some of the high Republic stuff right now. Like I did the blade and high Republic four, um, the last couple of weeks. Um, we do have some other things cooking me and Chris and Dan, we've been kind of talking behind the scenes. I can't really say what's what yet. Um, but, um, keep your ears peeled for some more proaxia, um, things from me, but (laughs) can I say something real quick? Cause this is so funny. Yeah, go ahead. Talk about people doing things that they love to do, right? And we're like super Star Wars nerds, so all we want to do is talk about Star Wars. We were having a conversation before we started recording about how we're both dads and don't have a lot of time to do things. Mm-hmm. And here we both are. This also this in the same conversation talking about the new things that we're adding to our plate. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like listen, I, I, I love I love my family, but I need you know I need that hour to <laughs> do, uh-huh. do something else. <laughs> um. But speaking of things that that we love, things that we like, things that we experience, we have uh, some new Star Wars animation that uh, has started up this week. I mean, it's the hot topic. Everybody knows. It's no secret the Bad Batch is out there. Season two is finally upon us. We were supposed to get it last year mm-hmm. um, and then later last year and then a little bit later after that last year. <laughs> and then we finally got it this year. <laughs> um but I want to I want to ask you something like knowing your connection to like a show like uh, The Mandalorian. If it may be for people who don't, okay, you know, either watch Pink Milk or, or know Pink yeah. Milk, something very specific. Like I know, you know, we are both original trilogy kids. Right? Mm-hmm. That's we're kind of showing our age a little bit. We're we're thirty seven. Um, no, no, I am forty three and proud. Yeah, I'm I'm about to be forty five. So how about that? Um, Tom's yeah. fifty two. So we're good. We're we're proud of our ages. No, he's not. You fucking liar. He's yeah. not fifty. <laughs> I know. Good for him. He I, must moisturize. Good for him. He. I'm not gonna look that good when I'm fifty two. That dude downgraded when he married me. Like I feel bad. Ah, uh, don't, don't years say ago. that. Start moist. Start start moisturizing. <laughs> or do something with the moisturizer. I'm too much know. of a nerd to t- clean that much. We're all okay, supposed well, to have a little bit of a comic book smell to us, right? Isn't that what we're all supposed to have that? I don't know, but at, at least you're manscaping now. Go <laughs> check out the promo code. That's people. right. Pink coat, pink balls, everyone. Pink balls. Use pink balls. The code yeah, pink yeah. balls at manscaped.com for free shipping and $20, 20% off your order. Yep. <laughs> if I could, if I could add the little ting in there after that, <laughs> you got, you you didn't see it, but he just like, <laughs> he gave a little, the Vanna white smile at the end of that. That was very nice. Um, but <laughs> so the question I wanted to ask you was, uh, I, again, like knowing, you know, our, our Star Wars origins go back to essentially the beginning. Um, mm. What is your what was your jumping on point for Star Wars animation, since that's what we're going to be talking about in a minute? Um, the Ewok cartoon and droids. OK, I, I was <laughs> no, going like- to ask, I mean, because like the modern era is, you know, Clone Wars, Rebel, stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. we had droids and, uh, you know. And Ewoks. Yeah. So I lived through what people call the dark times. If you're a Star Wars nerd, you know that. If you're old enough to know the 90s, it was, 
I've never left Star Wars. Like I never got off the train. It was always my ride or die. It was always my number one. Um, so I don't know if I personally ever had a dark time because I always had those three movies to watch on the mm-hmm. regular. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I've watched those movies my literally my entire life a lot, and I still find something new in every single one of them every single time. Um, but Clone Wars, I was uh, I had started dating Tom that year that it came out. It came out in two thousand seven, right? I'm, if I believe I the, the movie yeah. was two thousand seven, I believe. Yeah. So I was very excited because I knew early on that Tom was like my person and we would be together forever. And I never thought I'd be able to see a Star Wars with him. Mm-hmm. So when I found out that was coming, I was very excited. And Tom went and saw it. And, you know, Tom was like, it was fine. It was fine. But I fell in love with Ahsoka the minute that girl walked down that ramp and was giving Anakin some sassiness. And I'm incredibly grateful that I was not on the internet back then. I did not know anything about Star Wars fandom. I had my experience with Star Wars because now that I'm on the internet and a part of Star Wars fandom, I know what was said about her back then. And I don't think Mm. I would have been very, (laughs) I would not have been very happy. Um, But yeah, the OT is what I grew up on. I consider myself a prequelist. Like the prequels are my favorite Star Wars. Um, I love the prequels so much. But I also feel that the Clone Wars is the foundation that all of Star Wars sits upon. And I think the Clone Wars is absolute perfection. Um, For me, I don't see a line between animation and the live action stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. You can do different things in each of those two mediums. I'm I'm a really big comic book fan as well. Less so now that I have three kids that keep me very busy. But in animation and comics i've always enjoyed like a like really stylized stuff mm-hmm. because i feel like you get the most the truest form of what a creator envisions their world or their story to be so like even like hand like artist writer comics i love all that stuff and just give it to me and i felt like star wars has always looked so different and always looked like george and i was getting george's truest vision of what he saw so when the prequels came out and they were a 180 you know or even a 90 degree turn whatever you want to however you want to look at it it was very very different i bought into it hook line and sinker because i knew that was the world that he wanted me to see in and so i was Mm -hmm. just going to enjoy that world for what it was um and I've kind of always loved that about stars. I love that stars defies expectations from whatever pop culture is telling it to be. I love that it defines or defies what fans wanted something to be. I miss that little bit of a, I always joke and call it the middle finger up that George Lucas had against everybody. And I, I do kind of miss that. I love everything that we've gotten, but there's a little bit of that anti authority attitude in stars that, um, I think it's starting to come back. I think Lucasfilm, I'm a big believer that Lucasfilm is holding the middle finger up to Disney. And I think they're finally starting to win and we're getting some really great stuff. Um, and, and I'm here for it because I think, I think all these TV shows that we've gotten from this new era of star Wars are really, really like top tier, amazing stuff. Yeah. There, there's a lot of um, envelope pushing, especially mm-hmm. just in the last year of television. Mm-hmm. Um, and to think, I mean, the only animated anything we had last year was Tales of the Jedi. Uh, yep. Again, because Bad Batch was supposed to come out last year. And um, 
that didn't happen. So yep. now this this is the confession that I have to make to you, Brian. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I will not offer an apology for this confession up front. No, I, I need to tell you that first. So there's a reason <laughs> why I asked. There's, there's a reason why I asked you to come on the show with me to talk about this specifically. Okay. Okay. Having been in the Discord uh, for the Patreon, uh, which you should absolutely go sign up for. It's only a couple of bucks, and there's a lot of cool people in there talking about cool stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I get the vibe that you happen to like Bad Batch just a little bit. Oh, love it. Right. Right. Love so it. you're, you're like, <laughs> if there's like, if there's like a cheerleader pyramid of bad batch fans, you're the one up on top, like waving pom poms, like just, just waving the flag for, for this show. Okay. Now I have struggled with the bad batch. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now the reason why I asked you to come on the show is because I need a cheerleader. I need somebody to maybe help sway my attitude toward this show. I need help, Brian. That's what I'm saying. I need your help. And I I hope that I asked the right person to, to help me navigate um, the, the, the bad batch skies here. Okay. Um, I I don't expect you to 100% change my mind. I I wouldn't expect that for anybody, but again, as much as I value perspectives, on shows, I feel like your perspective on this show would give me a little added value as to what it is that I'm seeing on the screen. Now, as a preface to that, I want to talk about what it is that I have some issues with with the show. Okay. Okay. So I think there's a lot of season one that it felt like it was spinning its wheels a little bit. Okay. Um, I, you won't hear me say stuff like this on Twitter because I don't like to spout negativity. Okay. I kind of keep this stuff to yep. myself. Right. Yep. And I'm not, I'm not going to be outright harsh about like, it's a dumb show and it's crap. And I'm not going to do that, but I feel like the episodes that didn't have crosshair in season one um, for me were very lacking. And the reason mm-hmm. why is because, and I said, you heard this the other day, I feel like crosshair has the most storytelling potential. He's had this fall from grace and I feel like there's a lot of things that could be written for him, I, which I know we're going to get. I did just kind of just my impatience, but like there were some things that I kind of wanted to have happen for him that didn't. And I, and this is again, my perspective that I don't feel like there was a lot of difference in where the characters were from the beginning of the series to where they w- were at the end of season one. Mm. Um, and I, I know people disagree with me on it. That's fine. But as I watched the show with my son, mind you, who loves the show, um, we have talked about my issues with the show and he's tried to, you know, get me to, to sway my opinion on it um, with mild success, you know, to his credit. <laughs> but um, coming into season two, the premiere episodes last week, which I know you absolutely adored, you know, again, reading, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Discord comments, um, I kind of watched it and I was like, yeah, okay, that was fine. Um, it's nice to see everybody's back again. You know, uh, two months has passed or whatever it's been, you know, they're, they're back to their same old hijinks. Um, and let's go. Yep. Right. We didn't get crosshair those first two episodes, which is something that I really, really want again for story potential. And we get yep. him this third episode. Um, and we got him in droves. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that, all of, that's like my baggage out of the way. Let's push yep. that to the side. We're going to talk about the episode. But before we get into episode specifics, I want to know what is it about this show in particular that you've latched onto as hard as you have? 
So, okay. First, I want to say, one, I love that you love to hear about different perspectives. Like, I will never go into a conversation with someone who doesn't like a Star War or really in anything with the agenda to change someone's mind. And I think that mm-hmm. is something that I wish society in general <laughs> would work on and that sharing perspectives is sometimes all you need to do. And just even if it's just listening, listening to someone else's perspective, I think it's a is an art form that is that is being lost, uh, unfortunately. Um, I also want to suggest that everyone go watch my dear friend, my soul sibling, my Chase, who I adore more than I ever thought I could possibly adore a friend. Um, that Gay Jedi has a YouTube channel, and they address, they don't like the Bad Batch particularly, and they have a really great conversation about normalizing it's okay to not like a Star Wars. It's okay to let other people not like something and that we don't need to rob other people's joy or or get very gatekeepy about if you don't like this show, then you're not a fan. All that toxic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I think I really like the way they handle it. Chase is great at all of those things. Um, so I, I, I did I did watch that. the video about 20 minutes before we started recording. Okay, so it's I know, like, yeah, Chase it's made a bunch of wonderful points and yep. they're great. So. Yep. so with that said, it was so funny. I recorded last week with my husband, who is a casual fan at best, who I think liked the first season of Bad Batch even more than I did. And did not like those first two episodes. And Tom likes everything. <laughs> like, in general, he's always like, it's fine, it's fun, you know. Uh, but he did not like them. I think the weight was too hard for him. Um, mm-hmm. I understand the criticisms of it's a little bit of the sea of the same from week to week. And I made that joke. Oh, Omega fell out of a plane. Oh, Omega, we got to pick Omega up. Oh, she did this. Oh, she did. I get those beats and they mm-hmm. are i think the first season was too long um i did not actually again it was almost like the mandalorian i did not particularly care for their episodes in season seven of clone wars it was mm-hmm. i don't know if that's because i was just waiting for the return of ahsoka who is one of my favorite characters um i liked seeing my boy echo back but i also until this show and also as i said earlier clone wars is i think the foundation of stars it is I love the Clone Wars, but I never really attached to the clones the same way like I know a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know what to expect out of the show because I was not a clone kid. I didn't particularly like the Bad Batch when we first met them. But I think those first few episodes of the Bad Batch were really, really like great. But it was the last, the last arc on Kamino that changed that entire show for me. And I really fell in love with those characters and the way I look at the characters are very, um, from my own perspective. And even last week, the, the two episodes, which, you know, I think this third episode should have been the season premiere personally, because it was a lot more exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have drawn people in more. I like when it reminded me of clone wars when it doesn't even focus on the main cast an entire episode you don't even see them like i love those kind of moves um but those last season i'm i'm also a huge attack of the clones fan attack of the clones is right up there with return of the jedi they both kind of share my number one favorite movie and i love Mm -hmm. camino i love all of that stuff and when topoka city starts going down like i was i found myself being very it was really emotional for me 
because uh, I don't think I maybe realized how much I love that planet, but to see that planet like just go um, hit. And when we first met the Bad Batch, I find them, I queer code a lot of Star Wars, as I already said, Din Charn is gay, but I also say that's canon. And so everyone's going to at me all the time for those things, but that's what it yeah. is. But I also <laughs> feel I relate very much to the to the clones as queer characters. And that was my in for this show. Um, because I think for me, one of the hardest parts of being a gay person is that we look just like everybody else. And I've had a lot of experiences in my life where people just like me. And then, you know, they'll find out that I'm gay and all of a sudden you get the distance or people Mm -hmm. or then just some people being flat out awful. Um, And so, you know, some I know and that was part of what I really loved about this last week's this week's episode and the thing with crosshair at the end that was just got to me. Um, And I think it's very hard for some people to come out and not everyone comes out because they can just hide and it's very easy to hide if you want to. for some people. And so I felt a lot of um, connection to the Bad Batch for being out and being proud of who they were and loving those differences and and calling the others the regs and stuff like that as this almost self-reassurance that they're okay. Because I think all of them carry, they all hold this like, this sadness about themselves because they are different. And for me, I mean, if, I don't want to go into all of it, but like, I'm really proud of our live streams that we did at the season finale of last season. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up, I came out in the late nineties and I was coming out to myself, you know, in the mid and early nineties in the nineties, there was a, the, uh, trigger warning for some people, I guess, but, uh, under the looming idea of AIDS and, as a gay person, when I was 15, 16, coming out to myself, I had to like understand that I was going to die of AIDS in my thirties. At that time, there was no, there was nothing positive for young queer people to see. Um, yeah. I go back to Pedro a lot from the real world of season three on MTV, which is a very important person to a lot of us. And he was really wonderful, but he still lost his life at 30 years old. And yeah. I think, and I don't want to judge a show from the 90s to what we have now, but at the same time, that was his entire being, was that he was HIV positive. Um, and I love that he embraced that, and it's a very important thing. But it was just more doubled down on on this idea for me, at whatever, however old I was, 15, 16, that I was going to have HIV. And that was gay equal to HIV. Yeah. And then dying young. Um, and so that last season, seeing seeing the clones left the clone force 99 left on Topoka city by themselves. I don't know what it was. And just knowing that they were different and seeing how empty it was and, and Camino so sterile and harsh and it's just a hospital. There's no personality there. Um, I think back to some of the people that I knew in the late nineties who sadly lost their battle with, with AIDS and how gay men especially were treated in the eighties and nineties who had AIDS and they oftentimes died in hospital rooms by themselves and they weren't even treated as human. And that's what I felt the bad bachelor like that everyone, including their own 
clones who ever the rest of the clones they're all brothers except for them so they were the gay ones who were just dismissed they were just just, like a walking stigma yep and it just like it really it really really struck a chord with me and i really was very appreciative of how sensitive that show treated the are are the bad batch as like very isolated people who really Mm -hmm. only had each other and they were proud to have each other but they, there's also this sadness of they have each other because no one else wants them. And I relate to that as a queer person a lot. It's something I still struggle with on the regular today. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that is what really attached me to those characters. And so even when I went back through and watched the rest of season one of Bad Batch, which I will give everyone, like there's a lot of, <laughs> it could have been edited out. There's a lot of the sea of the same in it. But yeah. I just latched onto those characters so much that it pulls me through. And uh, especially after Andor, I think I was getting more and more excited for the Bad Batch. Because one of the other things that I loved in Bad Batch the first season was how quiet we saw the, 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 the Empire coming in. It was never the main story. It was always in the background. You'd see people trading things in, and they were, they were just kind of there. Mm-hmm without being there. And I thought it was really creepy. And again, it felt like a queer person. The church is always there. The church is always in the background, wishing us to fail and hoping to fail and like slowly taking people away or it's politics in the background, ripping families apart because sometimes politics are more important than people's children (laughs) and they have to pick their political allegiance over that. And I carry that with me in that show. So that is such a hyper specific way to watch that show um that I don't think everybody else, uh, everybody can but that's that's what has me so attached to those characters is I just I see I see being queer in the 80s and 90s in that show a lot well first of all thanks for <laughs> like personalizing that um and like it, it it's it's weird to like thank you for that it also because there's a lot of there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of personal mm. trauma in your experience that unfortunately is it's prevalent in the show. I mean, this last mm. episode is all about trauma and isolation, mm-hmm. um, which uh, on a different level, again, talking about things in my own personal past, like having experienced that, too, which is maybe another reason why I, I find myself relating with Crosshair from that perspective. Um, so, okay. So you've given me another avenue or another lens with which to look at these characters. Um, and again, I've said it before and saying this in the beginning, I love crosshair. (laughs) He's my dude. Like I, I will say, I say it on Twitter every time he's the hero. I don't care what anybody says. He might be doing some bad stuff. He's making poor decisions, but he's the one. And then I've said this before. He's the one like, uh, you know, like how Cassian was, you know, on, on Ferrix where, you know, Brasso's mom is all like, you oh, Mijito's making mistakes. I just tell him to come over. Like, oh, you, he needs, you know, the hot soup and a hug or something like that's how, <laughs> that's how I feel like with Crosshair, like he's not getting the same kind of nurturing and all he knows how to do is shut it up because the only person who has been willing to express an acceptance of him as who he is, is Omega. Um, mm-hmm. by telling him, especially at the end of the first season oh. that, you know, you're still their brother and you're still mine. 
um, even through, I mean, that's, that is the very addition of unconditional, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he, he is the reason why Topoka city was targeted because the batch was there and he was kind of the lore, the bait for them to be there. But after all of that, she found that shred of good in him. I mean, he saved her life, but yep. she still had the heart to tell him, you know, I can see through, um, the flaws and the insecurities and accept you for who you are. And when you're ready, even though we're leaving now, I guess the door will never be closed all the way to you. Right. Yep. Um, I'm that, with that, you. I'm yeah. on team crosshair redemption. 100%. Okay. Thank you. I'm thank one you. of the we're, few. We yeah. might be the only two. It feels like sometimes when you go, <laughs> yeah, you people online, on, but no, he, he's the bad dude. He's a bad guy. Um, and he is. I'm, I mean, there's no yeah. denying that he's, I mean, c- clearly in this last episode. Um, yeah. Okay. From this point, I mean, we're, yeah. we're going to talk specifics about the episodes. <laughs> like we're not, we're not trying to avoid spoilers or anything I've heard. If, yeah. And if you haven't seen it, pause the episode, go watch it and then come back and, and we'll, and we'll finish. So, all right. So this episode was called the solitary clone and uh, no surprise. Cody was back in it. We saw him in the trailer. I mentioned that the other day and um, I, w- what I liked about this episode in regards to the two of them is they're almost kind of stages of the same person mm-hmm. where, you know, crosshair is almost an earlier version of who Cody was. And as mad as some people are at Cody for shooting down uh, Obi-Wan's Varactyl, I'm looking at you, Haas, I'm sorry, but the, <laughs> The idea that Cody is the personification of choice um, for clones after their choice, their autonomy was robbed of them even temporarily, uh, even though their whole life was a manipulation up to that point. Um, the manipulation is starting to drop off you know, under the guise of the Empire. The Empire is not the Republic. The emperor does not seem to care as much about clones or his army. He's letting all of his generals and moths and all of them head all of that. He's still the puppet master. He's still making things happen. But at this point in the Star Wars timeline, he's won. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot he needs to do in the immediacy to further advance his own agenda. He's you know, busy right for- now. He's busy right now in the antique stores in the lower levels looking for a really creepy cauldron so he can like take it down to start cooking up some witch brew for the world between right. worlds. So he's right. very busy shopping. He's busy. Yeah. He yeah, he's he's making some bitches brew down there. Um so but so he's not concerned, it seems like, with a lot of the day-to-day em, you know, empire stuff. He'll come out, he'll make his speech, you know, throw on the robe and do his thing, but he's leaving all of that to the people within the empire. Um but so what this story gives us, this episode gives us is that there is this holdout governor on Essex. Um, her name was um, something Ames. I forget her first name. Yeah. Tawny uh, Go- Ames. There you go. Tawny Ames uh, voiced uh, by uh, Tasia Valenza. Yes. She's great. Uh, I love the sound of her voice through the helmet. Um, mm-hmm. That was really cool. It reminded me very much of Bausch Leia in yep. uh, Return of the Jedi. So, uh, but uh, I mentioned this the other day, Ta- she, Tasia of uh, Valenza, she was a voice actress. She's done some voice work for uh, like the metal, metal gear video games and some of the Arkham games. 
uh, doing multiple roles in both of those. And um, she's done some other screen stuff. I want want to say she did some soap opera work way back in the day too. Um, I think I saw that. Don't quote me. I could be wrong. Um, But she's a very accomplished uh, voice actor. I loved her in this role being, um, being that middle finger to the empire to say like, no, you can't just do the thing. Um, because, um, surprise bitches, I got robots and, uh, mm-hmm. they're about to shoot your ass down. So this episode, th- this is like a little bit of a hang up with the episode. Like I know as much as I enjoyed the clone wars, this felt very much like a clone wars episode. Now on the surface, that doesn't sound like a bad thing, but it also, to me, it's kind of like a, a small group of clones and a big group of, uh, <laughs> battle droids. Like, okay, we've seen all of this, mm-hmm. but it's flipped on its head in that the droids are essentially the good guys in this story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are, they're not the antagonists, you know, it's, it's the other way around, which I, I did. I liked that element of it. I was like, okay, well, that's cool. It kind of flips it around. I want to say the, the animation for this season uh, has definitely been ramped up and something I remember reading that they are using matte paintings for backgrounds as opposed to just straight animating everything. And it gives it a different level, a different depth of realness that I think for me, visually it adds to the look of the show. And I, I do love that aspect of it. I think it adds to the Star Warsiness of it all. Truthfully. It does. I mean, it, and it, it takes you right back to yep. Ralph McQuarrie and, mm-hmm. you know, even a lot of the names who have, you know, the, you know, your Lunt Davies and all these other names of people who have, who have done things more recently with the, with, and I think that's one of the things I love about Star Wars. It never shied away from, from sharing that stuff with us. And this is like yep. watching this, these episodes are like watching almost like those map paintings come to life. Cause essentially they are. Yep. Um, but let me, let me check my notes here real quick. Yeah. Um, I, I do, I, I do have a couple of negatives. And I, and I brought oh, this up great. on the immediate reaction. So, but there, some things that I that I that I did like, um, or questions that I that I do have. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think um, Crosshair was doing on that platform for thirty-two rotations? <laughs> it's so funny. You mentioned this on that quick reaction, right? Yeah, I yeah. get like, I am not that fan. I don't know. I don't care. Like to me, that to me, (laughs) no tea, no shade to anybody, please. I, um, yeah, no tea, no shade. And this is a very unhealthy, let me just be direct and very honest. This is a very unhealthy attitude that I have that I am far too old to hold on to. Yet I do. Also kind of proudly. But I shouldn't be proud of this. But I do not like Star Trek. Because I'm not allowed to. I like Star Wars. Okay. And those kinds of questions were Star Trek questions. Those were never Star Wars questions. You were just there. How long was Luke on Dagobah? I don't know. No one cared. But then all of a sudden, the sequel trilogy came out. Everyone cared how long Ray was training and all that. No one ever cared before. It's not about that to, for me. For my Star Wars, that yeah. does not matter. So okay. I heard he was there for... Th- to me, maybe the line could have been a long time. Would have been just fine. <laughs> Yeah, and again, and, and again, I, I mentioned this in the reaction that, that I don't know what it is about this show, the writing of the show, and I'm not. It's not a detriment to the writers, but yeah. it's just there are things that I notice in the writing that almost invite me to question some of the specifics. And 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 I said this too, like I don't think I've ever had the wherewithal to ask these questions with some of the other shows. 
some of the outlandishly ridiculous things mm-hmm. that make no sense for um, some of the other shows. I mean, it, it for anybody who you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you it's no secret that my favorite Clone Wars episodes are the Mieber Gascon D Squad episodes, and Sunny Day in the Void is my favorite Clone Wars episode. And that whole thing is about prison of the mind, existential crisis for yep. robots and a little frogman. Um, also, still geared towards children to understand those things and have children exactly. start question those things because exactly. Star Wars is perfect and wonderful. But there's things in that episode that are like surface level are like, well, I, I, I like, I don't mm-hmm. get this. It doesn't why. But I never once felt the need to question it. And something mm-hmm. about this show is is inviting these questions like, what did he do for 32 days? Did he, was he fishing? Did he build a little shelter for With himself? With his bare hands, as you said, because I made me yeah. laugh out loud. Did he, did he go a little nuts? Did he pull like the, the shirt over his head and he was like, I am the great Cornholio for a little while because he was losing his mind. Was, you know what I mean? Like things like why does the tact, like the tactical droid, why do they need Binox? They're droids. Why is yep. why isn't it just in their eyes? I don't I don't know why this show invites now me to ask these kinds of questions. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't care, but I notice it and I'm like, why why is that written in the show that way? Because nothing everything is written with some kind of intention. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're not making those kinds of writers they're, they're, I mean, they're not mistakes, but I mean like it's a specific thing to put in there that like again, it to me it just almost feels like it invites those kinds of questions. I'm like, why? I think I'm so. Uh, I have a note to bring this very thing up. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought this up because it was something that receipts. I have. He got receipts. I have a question for you because I find okay. that like no, I find it. Um, uh, I find it very interesting, and this is what like this is what I love about Star Wars because there, we all know what is Star Wars with a capital I and a capital S in quotes, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm very much on. There's nothing wrong with what Star Wars is, but the problem comes in when my is is your is, and we can't, like, they can all exist together. And I that's what I love about Star Wars, and I love that Star Wars is not Star Trek, and I often equate Star Wars to being, like, helmets are so important in Star Wars. Yes, they look cool. Why does a droid have binoculars? Because they just look cool. Why does Sice Noodles have big old red lips? Because George Lucas like, um, wouldn't it be kind of funny if she had big red lips? And they put it on there. It doesn't need to make sense. It's just funny and it looks great. Um, yeah, okay. And so mm-hmm. Star Wars feeds you all of this surface stuff, in my opinion. And it's the thing I, it's what I love the most because Star Wars is tricks you into thinking it's all about the surface level stuff because mm-hmm. it's shiny. It's new. It's faster, more intense. It's like nothing looks like Star Wars. Nothing can ever look like Star Wars. And it's very simplistic on the surface. And so you can go and just throw some popcorn back and have a really good time. I have learned a lot over this last three years podcasting with my husband, who is that person. And Tom was always like, well, I always thought I liked Star Wars. And then I met you. And now I don't feel like I like it enough, <laughs> which is like, <laughs> I don't like because I'm like, no, I love it how you want to love it. But I also I get what he's saying. Right. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's just like the cool parts of like, why wouldn't he have goggles on? Why not? It's great. It's cool. Um, But I'm curious because I also think part of what I was getting so excited for Bad Batch, as I said earlier in season one, I loved seeing the Empire in the background, right? Mm -hmm. We just got off of um, Andor, which is perfection. I have no notes for that show. 
one of uh, a coworker of mine who I was trying desperately to convince to watch the show because he's not a huge Star Wars person. He doesn't actually, he just doesn't really like it. Mm. And um, I was like, and he finally watched it and was like loved it because I'm like, I know what the dude likes. I'm like, you're going to be really into the show. And he brought up a really fascinating point that he thinks the fact that Andor was, is Star Wars is its biggest hindrance because there are certain people who just won't watch it because it's Star Wars. That is so far yeah. outside of my world that I don't get it totally, but I also 100% get it, right? Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I have no notes. I don't even know if I, you said you need to take a month away to like comprehend what just happened in Andor, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of there, and Andor, I learned a lot from Andor. As a Star Wars fan, as someone who now has a podcast and does things like I found Andor and Obi-Wan to two very hard shows to talk about. They're really, really difficult for me to talk about because I don't know. Obi-Wan gave me something. Look, I have never really identified with the bad guys that much in star Wars. So, you know, they look cool. So I've never been like a huge Darth Vader guy other than Darth Vader's cool or whatever. But that, Obi-Wan really challenged me and really had me really like Darth Vader. Like I was always team Obi-Wan that Anakin and and Darth Vader were two different people. I Mm. always stood my ground on that. And I think that show recontextualized that. And I don't know if I think that anymore. Um, In Andor, there was always something missing for me. Like I'm watching it going, this is breathtaking. This is so good. Like literally I have no notes. It is. I think that show is perfect. Mm-hmm. It is so good, but it was, I was missing something. And towards the end, because I think it was midway through, there was just an episode that I didn't like because of how it made me feel emotionally. And I think I was just getting tired of getting beat up week after week. <laughs> and I was just, I think I had just given up for a minute. And it made me start to think about everything in the Bad Batch. And Bad Batch is classic Star Wars. That no matter how dire it gets, Star Wars is always sad. Star Wars is never about good things happening. It's they're tragic stories, but they're fun. You get lost in the whimsy, and you know at the end everyone's going to be okay in what yeah. some way, shape, or form. And for me, you know, we talk about going to media for escapism and stuff like that. I think when I was young, I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be so different than my family, and I was searching for role models because I had nothing to look at. Mm-hmm. And so Star Wars for me became that. The lessons that I was learning in Star Wars really shaped who I am. And it sounds very corny, but I am Star Wars is more than just a movie to me. It very much is who I am as a person. Right. And a lot of myself is buried in that, which I'm sure a lot of nerds like us feel that way. Um, but I've gone through a lot of, you know, all of us have. I had a really rough childhood being queer and all that stuff was really, really hard. But Star Wars always taught me to have the whimsy through it all and like be playful with no matter what situation it is. Right. And so when I was watching Andor, I'm like, how am I missing something? This is perfect. Why? I'm not loving it. I love it, but it's not giving me something. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know what it was. And then I was thinking about Bad Batch. I'm like, oh, my God. Well, the Bad Batch did this, but I still had fun. And Andor isn't giving me fun. And yeah, I think it, for it's, me, it's not a fun show. I need the fun. 
I mean, yeah. I'm telling you, I love Andor. It is perfect. And I'll watch it a lot of times, but I don't know if it's my kind of Star Wars. So it was really challenging for a show that I loved, but also wasn't my Star Wars. And it was like, the, I was like, okay, I get it. Star Wars can expand. I was really into it. But I wonder if because that show didn't give us droids with binoculars and yellow singing ladies with big red lips if all of a sudden those things are going to start mattering more in other stars because andor delivered such a a very realistic approach to stars it was very raw like we've never had raw stars before never and so i'm curious if you never looked for those things before it's because stars just showed you that you can have it without that and you really attached yourself to andor so i'm just i'm wonder if that's like I'm just very, very curious because it's almost like the a 180 to me of. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard having Star Wars that doesn't have George Lucas in it all the time. And like one one head, you know, kind of guiding the ship. Mm-hmm. One vision. We have a lot of different visions in now. So there's like, look, I am pretty honest that I don't love the sequel trilogy. I love the characters they gave us. Not a fan of the visuals. And I don't know if I love the story. Yeah. But I love Fair. the characters. Yeah. Love the characters. And I think I think Lucasfilm learned a lot in making those. Um, and I was I still like the idea of like passing the baton because I think it's kind of an art film. Like that's that was a very George Lucas mentality to me. It didn't mm-hmm. exactly work. But I still like the idea. And I think Lucasfilm now could do that personally. Um, yeah. And it's unfortunate. It's but. You know, they're still Star Wars and I love them. Um, but I think for me, just learning Star Wars can be different. I want it to be different, but it was really different. It was hard, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, you know, I think I think Visions for me did a lot of that, too. Um Yeah, so I think Visions gave me a new start. Oh, I am like a huge Vision stand, like massive. And I Same. loved how challenging it was. But it was still like 2B1 is probably at the end. That's the one that is my favorite. I, wa- I walked away from that. Didn't know if I loved it the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's my favorite because for me, it's the most tragic of all of those stories. But it's definitely the most whimsical. And so it just was like this, the heart of Star Wars in a new way. And I don't know if Andor has the heart of Star Wars. Like, and I mean that in a really complimentary way. I, yeah, I, I think, I think I know what you're saying because yeah. I, I think Andor will. I, season yes. one is like, we need to get into the depths before we can start to make our way back out. Nope. And that's one of the things with my son, um, like for the longest time he didn't like Rogue One because everybody dies at the end. Spoilers mm-hmm. for anybody who hasn't seen Rogue One. Go listen to other podcasts. If had um, a long time. Yeah. But <laughs> when we went to go see it in the fall when it popped in IMAX, it was afterwards, you know, now being a few years older, he was like, Dad, I think I get it now. And I had yep. been telling him like they died offering hope to the rest of the galaxy. If yep. they didn't do what they did, Luke wouldn't do what he did and you know the story wouldn't be what it was. Um but he couldn't grasp the concept of like the noble sacrifice. Um, and, but something this time just clicked for him. And he told me afterwards, he was like, I think I get it now. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, great. You know, I'm, I'm glad your perspective changed. I'm glad you have a different understanding of it because that's something that is very inherent for Star Wars. But I do agree. Um, season one of Andor did, it, it lacked a little bit of the hopefulness that Star Wars um, wears on its sleeve. Right? Yep. And I, and I think part of that is by design. Yep. Um, so I'm one of the people that, I, oh, I, I should say, I know for a lot of people, like after watching Andor, other Star Wars may be tainted because of it, like because it brought this realism, it brought mm-hmm. a different level of drama and maturity that, you know, people may start to miss, you know, watching some other shows. Um, after Andor finished, um, I read, uh, I reread Catalyst, and then I read the Rogue One novelization for the first time. Um, I am right now doing a total Thrawn reread because I have some things planned next month with some other Love people. Um, so like the shades and flavors of star Wars for me, like to go from Andor to like blue skinned politics, um, <laughs> while on the, like it, it, it doesn't seem like, you know, a huge, huge departure because, because there's politics and there's mm-hmm. espionage and things like that, that happen. But to like distance yourself from the reality of, you know, th- these are like the, the ascendancy novels that I'm reading right now. I did two of them this, just this week. Um, but it's in a part of space that we've never seen anywhere. We have no context for what things looks like except for artwork of Thrawn. We've never seen another Chiss anywhere besides um, Arlani. And that's mm-hmm. the only two Chiss we've ever seen anywhere in any artwork that I'm that I'm aware of. Um at least canonically. Yeah. Um, so like all everything else around that, all of these other new aliens that are, that exist in that part of the world, it's so far removed from what Andor is because the only aliens we get are all in the background. I think there's only one alien that has like a speaking part and it's Vetch going what for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, but I, but again, I don't know what the difference is for me in terms of like tonally what bad batch is and what Andor was. Because I can vibe with both. Like nope. Rebels is probably one of front to back is probably one of my favorite Star Wars pieces of, of media. Um, just a for storytelling and B, B personal connection. It was the first Star Wars that my son could claim as his own. And we watched it all as it was airing. So um, mm. that became kind of our thing. Um, but there's some very like there's space whales and, you know, wolves that can travel through the ground. Um, there's some very weird out there things that, that rebels gave us. And just, and again, things in um, things. It, yeah. Buffer pigs, um, th- you know, things in clone wars that again are so outlandish and out there um, that I generally don't have any issues with, Yeah, but there's, there's again, there's that something that's missing for me on the uh, way on the opposite end of the spectrum that bad batch it's not scratching that itch for me all the time but when it does get a little more serious when it does have like i said before like the emotional depth that i think crosshair's story offers to us that's when i feel myself more engaged the adventure of the week kind of stuff um i'm kind of like like i said I don't, I don't hate it. And I, I, I will not call anything filler. Um, 
there could be, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen in Clone Wars and Rebels that are like, who's the filler episode? Like, like Pergils. And then they come out at the end of the yep. thing being one of the most important, important things in the finale. Um, so I, I hesitate to use that, but again, it still felt like there was a lot of fat that they could have trimmed and it just felt like they were spinning their wheels. I also understand that the target demographic for the show is not 45 year old man. Yep. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I, I like, I love that my son gets it in a way that I don't. And I like that he is at an age now where he can articulate why he likes it against why, you know, things that I don't, I, that I don't gel with. When before it was like, kiddo, let's watch Rebels. And he's like, yeah, Ezra. And that's like why he liked the show yep. um, most of the time. Now it's like, no, dad, you know, when Hunter and Omega like do this and like, and when, oh, okay. All right. You stated, I get it. Uh, you know, so. I can't wait for a, that. There's a little bit in, in the change of it for me. And I, and I said this on last week's reaction that like, when Star Wars doesn't always vibe with me, and this happens quite a bit, um, more so in the book space. There's more books that I'm like a little more sour on. Mm-hmm. But again, you never hear me talk about it because I'm not trying to put that shit out there. Yeah. Um, I tend to, I, I I can find something in a reread or in a rewatch of something that's like, okay, maybe I missed that the first time around. Or maybe I need to distance my, myself from it. But I also understand that for a show like this, we're very much in the middle of this story. Like it's not over yet. It's far from over. And I try not to let my hangups about the show be my hangups about the show, but I still will find myself in an episode like this one that we were talking about um, Mm -hmm. um, where I'm still like scratching my head of like, what? I I, I, I don't know why some things just get under my skin just that little bit. Um, but again, not, not to dwell too much on that. Um, the things that I, that I did like about the show, I I do want to say one of my favorite things about the show, and this is something that I had the realization of today, um, was this episode kind of threw the idea that having the high ground is a guaranteed win right out the goddamn window, (laughs) um, on, on two occasions. (laughs) <laughs> they got that tank on that yes. bridge and it's way up, up, you know, it's way up above crosshair. He shoots that thing right down the gullet, uh, which was really cool. And then them in that, um, that spiral staircase with him yep. and Cody. And he tells him to throw the little, uh, the little mirror puck. Yeah. Um, Obi-Wan got lucky. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. all I got to say about that. Um, people, you can find wow. me on Twitter about it. I might it just wasn't, look, it wasn't, I am someone who I don't for me. My Star Wars is not about facts. My Star Wars is about metaphor. And it was here. It was Anakin's arrogance. And the fact that he wanted to do something wrong is what he lost. It's not about the yeah. high ground. Again, surface level. Yep. Surface level. Yep. That's, all. Um, that's all. But no, I love that. I think. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I mean, I. This is I'm one of my favorite Star Wars stories I've ever seen in my entire life. It just like it affected me. But again, I think what it did for me is so specific and I knew something special was happening on that opening shot into Derek's, right? Is that what it's called? Um, Derek's. Desix. Desix. And I was like, Oh my God, this just something, this is something new, something new. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why. And then, and then Tani came out looking like Bausch meets 
meets Sabine meets Fennec Shand. I don't know what was going on with that, but I was here for all of it and it was great. Um, and then I really liked when those droids popped up because I was like, okay, here we go. We're getting back into this, like who's good and who's bad and who was bad once can be good again. And it really played off of what, um, Oh God, I'm blinking on his name now from last week's episode, episode two Rasmus or whatever. When the guy was like, you know, talking about, um, Oh, oh God, I'm not Ro- sounding Romar. Like Romar. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, you know, we were a people before the separatists came to us. Mm-hmm. And it kind of played into that. And that's, again, as a queer person, this show is just so like, it's just very queer to me in that, like, we are more than that. We were, we were someone before you found out we were gay. And you're just going to let all that go, whether you like mm-hmm. us. Cause sometimes as a gay person, especially this last few years, Maybe it's flattering because it was a world I didn't think would exist someday. But sometimes I feel liked because I'm gay. And that's it. And that's the only reason why people ever want to bring me on a podcast or something. And I'm very grateful for every time I'm on a podcast. I love talking about these things. It is built into the DNA of the show. So I know that's going to come up. But sometimes. Mm. But it's also nice. Okay, bring me on for that. That's cool. Um, No tea, no shade. That can sound very shady. But I don't mean it that way. But like. Yeah there are more to the clones too. And I think, and there are more, there's more to all of it. And I think it came back to, and now like my little Michael is my star Wars fan. I have three kids and my youngest like legit loves star Wars, like legit. And he and I really bonded. He, when he came to us, he was four and we adopted him when he was five and we watched resistance a lot together. And thank God that I had him to watch it because that was a struggle for me to get through. It, that show looked so beautiful, but it was a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. And we watched Freemakers together, and that kid still loves Freemakers. So, like, I can't wait to have experiences like you're having now. When he gets a little bit older, he can articulate more. Then, uh, I mean, he shared some powerful things. Um, but I think for him, watching him not understanding the clones. And why are they bad now is so powerful. And that's exactly what the show is trying to do. And that line of good and evil is, is can be blurred. And I'm not, I know people want like stars to be gray. I know people like, I don't know if I understand what people are saying, because I don't think there's gray in stars. I think in general, it's a pretty like, black and white there's right and there's wrong balance in the force isn't good side and a dark side user it's like yeah good that's that's and you have to go through some shades of gray for a redemption story but i don't think that's what star wars is i don't want star wars to be that that's part of what i think i was having a hard time with andor but again it's not going to end there but right now that's all i was getting and I understand as a story, I'm feeling exactly how they want me to feel. And they were like, that show is so good. (laughs) But I was just tired of feeling that way. It was really hard on me. Like, I don't like to sit in a Star Wars and be really emotional afterwards. I want to get emotional during it. And then I want to feel really good when it's over. And I never once felt good. Yeah. An entire season. I agree. (laughs) And for me, like, if if I can, if I can kind of rephrase, you know, what you said about the gray, like, I don't know if you know, a show like Andor. I don't think there's a lot of gray in star Wars. What I think there is, is nuance. Yep. Um, and I, I'm here for a lot of that because I mean, it gives us 
stuff to talk about, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and speaking of like the, like the black and white nature of your heroes and your villains. I mean, this, this show also gave us kind of like a recontextualization of Dooku where the first two episodes, yep. we see that he had plundered his own people um, for literal spoils of war. Yep. And then you have governor Ames and this one say that Dooku was right. And it almost sounded like Dooku was like, uh, for lack of a better term, warning them about Mm -hmm. like an impending future. Um, Mm -hmm. Like the empire is now in power and she's telling him, you know, she's telling governor Groton, I think was his name that, yeah. Um, like he told us about what was going to happen and we, you know, should have listened more as, you know, separatists or whatever. Last year for Dooku, we've had a lot of that nuance, especially yep. with, um, tales of the Jedi and the little bit that we got of him in, um, the Padawan novel, um, that he pops up in very briefly in the beginning and to, again, mm-hmm. to recontextualize the the villain stance for somebody like him because he was i mean he's christopher fucking lee yeah he's a he's the bad guy he's the quintessential bad guy on screen um he he you know he played the part perfectly everything that we got from him through clone wars suggests that he was just the villain he was another manipulated pawn for the emperor but like behind the scenes was he telling people other Mm. things was he like you need to be more for yourself as opposed to this organization. He had at that point been a part of two organizations, be it with the Jedi and the Republic or what Palpatine was trying to build. Was he disillusioned with all of that? You know what I mean? Like I love those, that read. This is th- these are the things that I love about star Wars when there is yep. one or two lines of just this nugget of information that, again, inviting questioning is just like, what the hell does she mean by that? There's so much that See, can be I, buried behind that. I felt I was heartbroken for her, honestly, in that line. Same. Because same. I think like he did say all those things. Count Dooku said all of that to those people. Mm-hmm. And we knew, we knew, uh, um, Mina, Mia Bonteri or, or whatever her name is. Um, mm-hmm. we know how wonderful, you know, she was in the way that she wasn't wonderful, but we bought everything. She was, that was such a great, a great character because I think count Dooku is saying all that to, to Tani. Meanwhile, Darth Tyrannus is over there stealing everything from her. And I think that went that, that paired very, very well with exactly what Cody was going through of he's was told that the Republic was going to be great. And now he's realizing that he wasn't. And I think when he saw someone who has played and is still buying it, thinking she's the right thing, I mean, right down to the droids, she's using droids to fight him that he just spent, you know, three years and a lot of trauma fighting. And she's still a tool for them. Mm-hmm. She's still, she's not a tool for the empire anymore, but she's still a tool against the Republic. She's still a tool against what was good, even though she thinks she's doing the right thing because she was sold a lie just like he was. Right. And I really like that's, that's the meat stars that is like so good. And on the surface, 
if you don't want to see those things, you don't have to. But if you want to dig in, you can. And I think it's such a, a, a difficult, I just think Star I think Star Wars is written so beautifully. Even George Lucas's, I just love all of it. And I think it's very hard stories to tell. I think we've seen some Star Wars now that aren't told well. And we're like, oh, okay. Um, maybe it's not as easy as people think. Yeah. Uh, but, but there's, I, I do, I, I do love digging for the why of things. And that was one yep. of those lines that really made me re like reconsider Dooku's stance. You know, mm. was he also trying to manipulate? Was he genuine in feeling that you're better? Like I said, you're better yep. off on your own, better off away from institutionalized. Yep. You know, militarization of everything. Um, did he, what did he actually believe knowing that, he wrestled with different challenges in his adult life. These were not things that he, you know, dealt with when he was younger. Yep. You know, he was a full. He was a he was a grown ass man. You know, manipulated into some of this decision making. Um, but it also to, you know, with the kind of flip flop between the clones and the battle droids of this episode. Another element that I did like was seeing. Well, I don't want to say that I liked it, but I recognized was that. Uh, the clones were all sent in to do all the dirty work. Mm -hmm. Once, you know, they're all picked up, you know, battered and bruised, you know, if they're even alive, stormtroopers come in with their shiny new armor to basically stand patrol and not have to do any of the heavy lifting that the clones were doing for them at this stage. And it presents another villain aspect to them mm -hmm. that they're almost not willing to get their hands dirty just yet. It's not necessary for them to do so. So those are all the clean shirts that come in that just say like, we got it from here. You know, you yep. got your blue, you know, your blue dress police officers. And then you got like the suited detectives that are like, this is our jurisdiction. You know, yep. we got it from here guys, you know, and they're just, you know, yep. the battles are already over with or the bad guy's been arrested or, you know, whatever's happened. And they're yep. coming in just to be the show of force. Um, where it is, I mean, we're seeing the whittling down of the clones, um, in numbers cause uh, they're mm -hmm. not making anymore. Um, yep. but we're also seeing the whittling away of the drive that the clones had. Cause it's not like they walked out of this thing thinking like it was a victory. They were all beat to shit, you know, getting well, on I that ship. Thing. One of the questions that it's bringing up with order 66 is, was that just like a one-time kill switch type thing? You know, I think they're before Bad Batch and before season seven of Clone Wars, in my mind, Order 66 turned them all on and that's just the way they were. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like it was turned on to do that one job. And when that job was over, it basically didn't correct everything. It corrected that one thing. And now they all have to live with that. And it's heartbreaking. It's that's like really, really hard. And I think I loved, and you mentioned this in your, in your review last week, the wall that they're sitting in front of, which, um, I know our dear friend hope wrote a thing about that. I've not had time to read yet, but it's some sort of memorial wall. Right. And yeah, I would I, assume I it's like, okay. Is it lost clones during it, it? It's a war memorial to the first battle of Geonosis. Yep. Okay. So it, it's not like a war memorial for the entire war. It's just yeah. from the, the first battle, which is still a little confusing to me because if it's a war memorial for fallen clones, there's no numbers on there. 
Yeah. So would they would they put clone? Like I haven't taken the time to do any translating, and I don't know if anybody has or not. I haven't yeah. seen anything. But are there clone names on there? Because again, I don't yeah. see clone designations. So I think you brought up a really interesting point, though. Of like, why would Palpatine leave that if you wanted to be to get rid of all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when I was listening to you say that, because I it was so heartbreaking to me, and. I feel as a child figuring out I was gay <laughs> when I was really little and I latched on another reason I love like it's just the Bad Batch brought a lot of this stuff out in me for some of the stuff I was talking about before but like when you would see like news pieces of of people making the AIDS quilt in the 80s and early 90s and all the people that were lost to AIDS and in one hand, you had media covering how sad it was. Meanwhile, you had the government and churches still telling us how horrible we were, and we did it all to mm. ourselves. And the government didn't erase that because, for me, the government used it as more control over us. And they're going to show mm. all the death and despair, but we're going to rob you of that sympathy because we're going to tell you it's your fault and you should just not exist. And if you don't want that sadness, then don't be gay. And and I felt like when I was watching that, and it also goes back to what Cassian says in Andor, you know, they're so rich and they're so satisfied. They're just, they're lost in their arrogance. Palpatine mm-hmm. cares so little about the idea of free will. It is so far removed from his logic that he, of course, he's going to leave it up because he doesn't care. To yeah. him, they're just lost people. And here are these two clones. One is clearly questioning things, and the other is double downing on it. And that wall of all those that didn't get the opportunity to question those things, or those that were fighting for something that they thought was going to be a better future, don't even get to realize that they were played and didn't get to do what they wanted to do next. And it was like, it just like was a gut punch. And I felt like that is that for me. That's why I love this episode so much is I don't feel there was a wasted ounce anywhere. I felt like every shot, there was like a layer behind a layer behind a layer. And like, I, I feel like I'm able to go back to this episode so many times and just pick up more and more and more. I just feel like everything, every fiber was telling a story and it was just so dense. Oh, so good. That the inclusion, the use of that wall to have, you know, these two, you know, these two holdouts, you know, like I said, as the, like the numbers of clones is, is dwindling, mm-hmm. you have these, you know, one, uh, like a veteran, like Cody's been around for a yep. very long time. And we can assume that the bad batch has been around for mm-hmm. quite a while. Um, even though we haven't really seen, you know, their exploits, but, um, they're still very much, um, products of their traumas. Yep. And to to find out that Cody went AWOL, for me, that was kind of like a like a foregone conclusion. Was just like he's just gonna walk away. And that this was very like early on of like, well, okay, so we see him in front of this wall. Like they're they're not gonna kill him in this thing. I don't expect him to be the villain per se, but like his turn isn't it's not like 
like Cody was never a villain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He he was he was a weaponized persona. You know what I mean? Yep. Through Order sixty six and all of that. Um, yeah. So outside I of think, Rex, we got to know him the most. He was probably the second most. You know. Yeah, but for him, it's like. It's not so much that he had a heel turn into like back into the light. He's just had this gradual realization mm-hmm. of we were used. Um, but he doesn't know any other life as a soldier yep. until, you know, he comes to the realization of questioning the motives of what it means to fight for something noble. Cause he goes into that, you know, that governor's palace or whatever saying like, we're here to help. Like let's never mind that you know it's that you know Leslie Nielsen naked gun um, thing where it's like there's nothing to see here and like oh shit's going on you know the hell behind him yep he's like no he's like well, let me offer you this dove don't mind that it's on fire I'm still handing yep. you this dove um, and you know crosshairs this <laughs> he's this you know cold calculated like I I have to do this and not I don't think because he feels that it's the right thing to do. But I think it's very much because Crosshair is looking for a place to belong. And when the batch, when all of them find their way out of uh, the structure of military, when I think it's like Hunter says in season one, like, you know, things were easy when we were just soldiers. Like Crosshair, like you say, he doubled down on that ideology that this is what I was made for. I, there's, I could not possibly mm-hmm. be anything else but this. And I think, you know, Cody's leaving, I don't think would be, it's not going to be the thing later on where he says, my conversations with Cody led me down this road, but we all know that it's probably one of the, the primary catalysts for him leaving. And, I, and I, something I wanted to point out in a little bit of wordplay in the episode, when he tells Cody, um, regs go AWOL too. Yep. I know I watched it with subtitles on, so it was very clear to me that he says Rex, R-E-G-S. Yep. But it sounds like he says Rex almost. Yep. Um, so like, you know, you can almost kind of take it both ways. Yep. Um so well, I think I think something interesting that you said earlier about the the clean shirts coming in after the clones, right? And they get mm-hmm. to take the limelight. I think it's important to remember that the bad batch were the ones that went in and did the dirty work. And the regs came in and stole the thunder from them. So when, right. when Crosshair's like, yeah, of course the regs go AWOL. You guys have that luxury. You never had to do what we had to do. You didn't have to go into the places that we went had to go into. So of course you can walk away. And I almost think it's that same level. We had a level of arrogance from 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 Cody to like the, the clean shirts and all that and understanding that. But Cody doesn't realize that he's that to Crosshair. Because he doesn't never had to live that life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, again, like I feel like even recently, sometimes I have to deal with that. Like Tom and I have been together for 15 years and, and we've been married, you know, for a little while now, but most of our relationship, we were not allowed to get married. Mm-hmm. It was not legal for us. And people will ask, well, what took you so long to get married? And this doesn't happen now because we married a while. But, you know, I'm like, oh, well, we, we can't. Oh, I don't even think about that. I'm like, of course you don't. 
Yeah. Like, of you're course not you affected. don't. And you're like, you're like supportive. You know, I would say you're an ally, but of course mm-hmm. you don't think about those things. To you, we should have the right because to you, we're just like everybody else. But you don't take that extra step to think about, oh my God, I they they really can't. And what am I doing to help that? And I think that's almost where Cody is. Cody's like, no, Crosshair, you're my brother too. And Crosshair at this moment is like, no, you're not. I know you think you are, but where were yeah. you then? You can't be there for me now because now you're in trouble too. You can't. Sh- you should have showed up back there. <laughs> and I feel like I relate to Crosshair in that way a lot too. Like just feeling, like feeling stuck in where you are because I don't know how to be any. I I I only know how to see the world with these with this visor on. This is the only helmet yeah. I can see out of. He's he's very much a victim of the cycle. Yep. And, you know, something that one of the things that I've come to really love about Star Wars is breaking that cycle, mm-hmm. um, seeing people come to those realizations of, you know, good, bad or in between, you know, to, yep. to change things for themselves, um, whatever the catalyst may be for that. And I, it's if if Crosshair finds a way for himself to break that cycle whether he's allowed back in with the rest of clone force 99, whether mm-hmm. he, whatever is there in the guise of a redemption arc for him. If he stays the villain for the length of this show, I, I'm just saying, if you're shaking your head, no, but I'm just throwing out an <laughs> if um, I, I would not be disappointed with that. But no. what I do want to see from him primarily is not a change of character, but a growth of character. Yep. Um, and I, I think there's a very clear distinction. And like, I don't want to, again, I don't want to see him come out with, you know, shining white clone armor with, you know, a light <laughs> behind him, like Gandalf or anything. But, but I do want to see him come to the realization of I've been used. Mm-hmm. The only person who can change this is me. Um, Cause at this point, you know, he's, he's alone. He's without family. He's surrounded by brothers, like you said. They're not a family anymore. There's that that cohesiveness amongst the clones is not there anymore. We see that when yep. the clones get up at the mess hall. You know, um, they don't well, want to be never, around. The anymore. Bad Batch was never in that club, right? Uh, but but to to show us that again is that yeah. reminder that he's oh, even that him. much more alone now. Um, while the rest of the batch, they have found this new mm-hmm. nuclear family for themselves. They like, they're having fun almost doing what they do. You know, the, the opening of the first episode yep. of the season when they're, they're running down the beach, you know, you have, you know, records saying like, I thought the beach was going to be nice. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. running from these giant crab things. Um, and it's fun. They're, yep. they're having a good time almost, um, even though they're in danger and they're going to, they could get chomped up by these crabs. Um, yep. Crosshair is not having fun. Uh, even, you know, with him telling Cody, throw the mirror puck so I can take the shot. He may, he legitimately, you know, he might enjoy killing people. We don't, I mean, he seems to, but, um, <laughs> I don't but think it's that's not, much of a question. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, it's not fun. He's not reveling in the fun of it. No. You know what I mean? Like he's not doing it for sport. He's nope. doing it because that's what he's being told to do. Um, and I think if he can get to the point of breaking that cycle and from what I've heard, I'm going to speak in vagaries here about people who have seen the rest of, of, or most of the rest of the season that this show is very much, it's, it's, it feels more clone wars than it did 
Bad Batch mm-hmm. in the second season. Um, it's a return to form for animation, stuff like that. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be peaks and valleys for episodes that yep. I know for myself, like, and don't like. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a little worried about where the show is going to go. Oh. Yep. Um, same part of that, part of that being for a lot of the praise that was heaped on this episode before it aired from people who had seen it, mm-hmm. that it was amongst the best of the season. Um, cause then it made me question kind of like, well, where does that leave the rest of it? If, if this is a peak and we're only in the second week in the third episode, if this is a peak, is the rest comparatively like more of a mid show? Like I, 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 I hate going into the rest of it with that kind of a, like almost that kind of a slant, but it's like, why would you say all of that? If you've seen it, you, you know, like, I, I kind of don't like that. People said that much about it. They could have just come in like, oh, I love this episode. Mm-hmm. cool you had a good time with it but to hear like it's my favorite of the season or it's the best of the season and I, this is the one i've been waiting to show you guys the most you know these are things that people had said i'm like well there's still another 12 episodes or 13 episodes of this mm-hmm. thing like what about the rest of it and it kind of makes me worried a little bit not that i won't find enjoyment in it but it's like if you feel that the peak happens this early what does that say about the rest of the thing so, yeah. and, 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 and I almost mean that more as a rhetorical, like I don't, yep. you know what I mean? I w- I'm with you. I wish people wouldn't do that stuff. Honestly. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm sure they're not intending to do any of those things, but you know, like sometimes I'm a person like, I don't know. I'll never not see a star Wars the second it comes out. Like, so I'm not that, but like, I don't know Mm -hmm. another movie. Like, okay. Like I'm a casual MCU fan, right? I don't love them, but like, I'm a casual fan. So sometimes I don't even see them until they come to Disney plus. Like luckily my Twitter has like no Marvel stuff, so I'm not going to get spoiled. Mm -hmm. Or if I do, I'm probably so casual. I'm like, eh, whatever. (laughs) But like, I don't want to know what anyone thought. I don't even, for me until I see something, I want to pretend like it doesn't exist. I don't want to know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. I just want it to not exist. And then when I see it, it can be exciting. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish people would do that stuff, especially with screeners and all those kinds of things. When you have that privilege, it's a it's a burden to bear, I think, to not <laughs> to, to not share stuff, <laughs> truthfully. Um, yeah. But I think one of my other, like, one of my favorite things about this episode, and the thing that stood out to me the most was because i'm with you i'm like you i like a why give me a why i i I, look last jedi worked so well for me because it was a lot of whys and it didn't Mm -hmm. give any answers um and i love that i think all of star wars asks more questions than it ever gives answers um when when um uh oh god i'm like the worst star wars host ever uh rampart you're not hosting your guest okay okay there oh, oh there we go i cannot know anything about stars right um um when rampart says to 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 cross harry is like why do you come back after that 32 days on the platform or 32 mm-hmm. rotations it was like another like again i look at it as a queer person but a lot of people can do this, I think, with lots of situations. But I think about like friends who less now, but like in my 20 plus years ago, when I had friends who weren't out, who 
would see really bad stuff happening and then just kind of disappear into the shadows because they couldn't, they were not ready and they could not deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I feel Crosshair, like you were mentioning this, like that's the only life he knows. And he was too scared to go put himself out there because he didn't know what it was going to look like. And coming out is really, really hard. Changing, changing anything about yourself is really, really hard. You know, Mm. you're in a bad relationship. If you're in a relationship with someone for a long time and maybe it was really toxic, it's scary to leave because who you're going to be without that, because you are now so defined by whatever this is. And that's his relationship right now. He's so married to his trauma that I think he recognizes is unhealthy because he did say save Omega. There's yeah. he has an attachment to Omega on something. He clearly doesn't want her to end up like him. So he knows there's something off, but he's so afraid of what's on that other side because all he knows is horrible. And if I'm horrible here in my family, and this is what's supposed to be good to me, well, how much worse is it going to be out there? And so he stays because it's really, really hard. And I loved that question. I love that we didn't totally get an answer, you know, and then, Mm -hmm. and then we're given, and that's really a lot of despair. And, and he might not be the main character of this, of the series, but he was the main character for, this episode right he is he is to me he is to yep oh he is yeah yeah um which i love because hunter you know i mean omega this is omega show and story storytelling purposes it all has to come back to her somehow Mm. to her she's one who has to move forward right grant like big picture thinking yeah uh you know i i of course i attach myself to hunter on in a lot of ways like hunter's like the new found, newly found dad that Din Djarin wishes he was and doesn't know how to be yet, but he's going to figure his his way out there. Um, Hunter has all the right things where Din has all the wrong things to say, but, but Din, Din wears his Din. heart on his sleeve and Hunter, meanwhile, hides his heart from Omega and that's probably the thing she needs the most. Wonder, oh God, I could go on about... See how he brought it back to Mandalorian somehow? It's just, yeah, of course. So it's uh, right there. Know, yeah. <laughs> Din's the dad who's afraid to get a tattoo. Hunter's got one on his goddamn face. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, <laughs> um... But then, like, Cody gives us a little bit of hope with that little line of, you know, like, we all get to make our own choices and we all have to also have to bear the consequences of those choices, whatever mm-hmm. the direct line was. And you know that's an earworm sitting in, in Crosshair's head now. And yeah. so it's that little and bit of hope that he could turn around. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I how this episode ends is another another turn of the cycle. You know, we see yep. Crosshair again in his bunk, again getting breakfast, again getting called into Rampart's office. It's the same thing again. Mm-hmm. What's different this time, and I think the thing that gives you the the small age hope for him mm-hmm. is that <laughs> small the age last, hope. I love it. <laughs> yeah the 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 last shot of him is him walking down the hallway towards us, towards the viewer, but. And I, I don't think this is any, I think this is done by design. He is not, nope, no other trooper there is walking in the same direction with him. Mm-hmm. He's the only one walking in the direction that he's walking. The other ones are either crossing his path or walking away from him, walking away from us. So mm-hmm. I see the seed of, like I said, that small age hope, the, yep. you know, the, the small R redemption coming because he has discovered a path 
I think that's kind of what they're showing us at the end of the thing. Again, I mentioned this with Alden kind of like for me, like they're reaching for symbolism and things that are on the screen. I do that. Um, oh. And I think it was very evident that that's what they're trying to do with the yep. end of this particular episode, um, which by the way, this episode, the end of it had some of the strongest kind of brothers music uh, attached to uh, a single episode of star Wars. And we talk about Ahsoka's leaving the order in clone wars. We talk about like, you know, Kanan yeah. stuff that happens in rebels, but the end of this uh, episode had some, some really, really strong music. And I have to shout out the sound design of this episode as well. Um, hearing like the, like the droidica shield, like pop up, oh. um, like all of that was all was so well done. The explosions, all it was, it was great. I was watching this and I was just so filled with gratitude for the prequels because I'm like, look, we are, we just could, there's so much to mine in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Like just a simple droid Daka. We have rolling droids. We have, they call them a few different names in that in, in just the Phantom Menace. Had, uh, uh, oh God. Des- Destroyer droids. Destroyer droids. There we go. Like, yeah. And then the Clone Wars came. They've got other nicknames for them. Like, oh my God, this is just, there's so much to pull from. And um, as a prequel person to see this new era finally going back after it really did feel very intentional in the sequel trilogy to avoid the prequels at all costs. Mm-hmm. To see it getting the love that it so much deserves was just such a just such a treat. But I'm glad you brought up the Kiners because you saw this. I'm going to pro- hold it up to the camera that no one can see, but I'll describe this. Our friend in the Discord is how I found it. And I keep talking about Bad Batch being gay and queer in our stories. And old Mr. Kiner on Wednesday put out the greatest tweet ever with like, a bare chested leather daddy that just said Wednesday celebrating the new bad batch and the music. And um, clearly it's gay because I don't think there could be some straight people that wear that outfit, but I don't think a lot of them, I think it's a fair assumption to make that it's, I couldn't pull it off. I'll just say that much. That that is not my chest in that picture. So uh, I was very excited about the music already. And then we get Vangelis meets star Wars. And I was like here for it. I, I thought I was going to miss George, uh, uh, John Williams so much, and I still do because he's wonderful. But like, mm-hmm. it's been really a real treat to hear different Star Wars, and we did get that with Clone Wars. Like, Clone Wars had a lot of like world beat to it that like, yeah, wasn't present before. Um, but it really adds to a different flavor of of Star Wars. You know, and I love this. I hope I hope the movies keep this orchestral thing going on. And that's like movie Star Wars and then TV Star Wars is going to be synths. I'm like, I'm here for it because music in in Andor is very synth based and it was it's just so good. And like just it, put it, just put that Niamos song in everything Star Wars. I'm like, because yes, that's that's a bop right there. Yes. Just a new remix every week. I'm fine. Give it to. Yep. We, we need. um. What was that remix? What was that dance electronic album called? The Star Wars thing from like five, six, seven years ago. I don't remember. We had that remit that electronic music. We need another one of those. Like a lo fi one? I don't know. I say I I hear electronic my my brain went to like the disco Miko version of the Star Wars thing from like nineteen seventy eight. That's where I went. I like that too. (laughs) And 
on that note, I think that's going to be a good place to uh, wrap this up with uh, <laughs> with uh, disco in all of your heads. <laughs> I'm not putting the song on the end of this thing because I don't do stuff like that. Um, but um, but you know who is everyone listening right now? Oh yeah, good they're for putting you. it on their good heads for all of the rest of you. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Um, so Brian, uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for agreeing to come onto the show. This uh, for me was. Again, even though I had a motive for bringing you on, <laughs> this is something that I've I've wanted to have a real face to face conversation with you about Star Wars for for quite a while, and I'm glad yeah. we've had this opportunity to do this, and for this to be uh, my first show uh, with a guest in 2023. So you hold that distinction now and mm. forever, being the first 2023 show. Um, but as we are wrapping things up here, first of all, again, thank you, thank you for offering your perspective. Because I, I am now seeing the show a little bit differently. Will I love it <laughs> to the same level? Probably yeah. not be if we're being realistic, but it's giving you me don't... it's given me enough um of a foundation to to look at this a, a little bit differently and appreciate it from a different perspective instead of just my maybe kind of grumpiness towards the show. Um so thank we're you Gen for Xers. that. We're supposed to have a little grumpiness in us. Well, right? I mean, that's, yes, it's inherent. It's in my bones. <laughs> um, that's a throwback for us off mic. Hey, you guys don't know what we're talking about when it's this shit like that. So that's, that, that's, that I'm was glad you me, pick, I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. That's yeah, all so, sarcasm there. <laughs> um, all right. So Brian, uh, for anybody who has been with us for the last almost two hours of this conversation, uh, and if people want to hear more of you talking about more star wars stuff where can uh, the good people of the internet find you yeah well first thank you for this you're a wonderful host this was a lovely conversation um thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about star wars like this um because i don't get i don't get it a lot outside of our show so i appreciate it um it was really really wonderful uh and you can follow me and the show at serving pink milk mostly on twitter but also on instagram TikTok, and we are on YouTube at Serving Pink Milk, and you can join us live every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and then in your podcatcher uh, every Wednesday. It'll be great. And the YouTube show is coming, hopefully by the end of the month. It'll be out on Friday. And even though Brian hasn't mentioned it, um, <laughs> I have once already. Uh, look up the <laughs> Patreon. Uh, the community that is in the Discord server is it's some of the best people. The uh, the Steam mm. Queens that have uh, migrated to the show, myself included, uh, even yes. though I'm not taking the towel off. It's staying on. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm in it, but I'm not. Fine. I'm an ally. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not one of the flock. I'm not that far in. Anyway. Uh, one but, day, one um, day, maybe you'll be like, oh, I can and, do this. No, that it the towel may get smaller, but it's not coming out. That's not. <laughs> okay, go in a shorty robe, Luke. Shorty robe, Luke. There you go. There you go. Um, I'll, I'll put on the gold Mark Hamill outfit for, for all of y'all. Oh, even better. Um, I'll borrow chases. <laughs> How's that? Um, but yeah, check out the Patreon. Uh, all the Thank content you. there is great. Um, all the video shows you guys are doing, everybody that's that comes on the show. Um, I, I love you. what you guys do. I love the perspectives. I love the passion that you and the crew have um, with expressing star Wars in ways that are very unique to you. Um, 
I know I probably speak for a lot of other people when I say that uh, pink milk is appreciated. And from my perspective, and you have been here for three years now, you're very much welcome in the Star Wars space. I love what you guys do. Thank you. And I love you and I love the people that are on the show. You guys are all great. So um, as for me, if you want to hear my inane ramblings anywhere else, um, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, You can find me just about anywhere at Cad Bane's Bounty on the socials. Um, And the show you can find on Twitter and on Hive at JT Comlink, and you can find us on Instagram at Jam Transmissions. Guys, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, um, you want to air out some grievances, uh, if you missed it during Festivus and you want to send me an email, <laughs> you can do that at Comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K, at jamtransmissions.com. You can find uh, all the old shows at jamtransmissions.com. Uh, and I can say that uh, I'm having a little bit of an issue porting some shows over. I did switch from Podbean to Anchor, and I'm I'm I lost uh, like 40 episodes. And I I'm trying. They're still there on Podbean, but they're not um, on Anchor yet. I'm trying to get them ported over. So if you're looking for old episodes, you're gonna have to look on Podbean for now. But hopefully, I'll get that all squared away. That's a little inside baseball for what's going on here. Oh God bless um, you! I did the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it was an easy process switching, but I'm still I'm missing a lot of episodes that I got to get over, and those are episodes that I was not on, and I it would be a disservice for me to let those things go by the wayside, so I have to get those on. Um, so anyway, that was a, a very long winded say a way of saying <laughs> that the show is over. Uh, Brian, once again, thank you for coming on the show. No, and, thank you for having me. Um, you're very much welcome, and uh, for everybody out there listening, friends, I will leave you with a very. Heartfelt, may that force be with you. Always.